Wired Access. We'll do it live. Wired Access. Do it live! Wired Access. All right, welcome to Wired Access Podcast. I'm your host, DJ K-Dub Omaha, and we are in a whole new setting because we are welcoming someone that's on the road along with his fellow teammate going through the Yankees organization in the MLB. We have Jared Wagner on the podcast there. Thank you for joining us. And then right next to us, we have Matt Keating. Um, Both are Nebraska uh, kids. They're former NEB preps, as I like to throw it out there, because uh, what I love about our show is we like to try to share stories of, of people that are going through the journey that many people go, I want to be a athlete in the MLB. I want to be an NFL superstar. But sometimes they don't understand the grind, the dedication, the overcomings that these ki- these guys have to go through. So what I want to get is a little bit of backtrack because both of your stories are very interesting. They're not the same, but they are going to through a lot of the same process now after the road before Brian Southworth is back with us. You know, the wonderful co-host he comes in when he feels no, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to make it. I, I can't do this without you. Uh, once again, fellas, thanks for joining us today. Um, let's start, you know, back in the little old baseball, little league or, or what grew on you when it came to sports, were you a multi-sport athlete uh, Matt, we'll start with you. What What do you remember back when you were little growing up playing sports and what kept you on wanting to play sports? Well, uh, I guess I've always been a baseball guy. It's always been my favorite sport, but I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, I played football growing up, basketball. Uh, I wasn't very good at basketball, but um, I actually thought when I was in grade school that football might be my, my route, though. Um, I was a lot better at football than I was baseball back in the, that day. Uh, and then I stopped growing for a little bit. <laughs> I got small and I was getting, you know, by the time I got to high school, I was getting shoved all around. So ended up stopped playing football after my junior year and just started focusing on baseball. Well, and, and then of course we have, uh, Mr. Carney himself, you know, you, you grew up in a smaller town than, than, uh, Matt here who went to Creighton here in town. What was it like in Carney? What do you remember about growing up and when you played, uh, sports? Yeah, so growing up in uh, Kearney, pretty much everyone plays sports, and that's kind of how, you know, you make those friends. Um, For me, I played football, basketball, and baseball. Kind of knew at an early age that I really, like, loved baseball. Kind of started, actually, in Little League when we we went to – we were the first Nebraska team to make it to Williamsport, Pennsylvania, for the Little League World Series, which was a really cool opportunity for me, but it kind of opened my eyes to, like, okay, mate, this is, this is pretty cool playing in front of all these fans. I want to, I want to do that again. So that, that was always in the back of, of my head. Uh, you know, when I was going through the workouts um, throughout high school and stuff like that was just, you know, that that's somewhere I want to go. I want to get drafted. I want to go play, you know, at a division one and, and you just keep that in mind. So, well, and you brought up a, a big point that not many can speak on the, the Little League College World Series. Brian, you obviously have a team up and coming. For myself, my son's already through the the high school realms and all that, but 
never once was that like a big conversation between coaches and parents that I felt that I went through. What is it like, or is that something that you guys have as a goal to follow in the footsteps of like a Carney or how do you even go about that? Man, it's tough. Uh, because like Nebraska doesn't have a whole bunch of little league. Um, Nebraska is like really in the select baseball. So, um, the, the great thing about Carney is they do like a, a program where you can play, your club your club ball like on the weekends but you can also participate in little league and man I, I sure wish nebraska had a system like that like i'd love to see some more community baseball opportunities whether you're playing you know kids from your school or other opportunities but also still have the opportunity to go play against good competition too but um they do that i mean my kid was looking my kid watched like every little league world series game this year and now he's already plotting he's like okay where do I need to go play to do this? How do I do this? Because, I mean, it looks like an unreal experience. Um, it looks like a blast. So. And, and, Jared, can you speak upon that? I mean, obviously, we do have a couple programs. I know the, the Storm Chasers out of Papillion were doing the um, Cooperstown where they yeah. get an invite. And that's that's very important because once you get that invite, you don't want to lose it. And you got to keep teams going. So that's kind of hard. But what was it like for the college or the Little League World Series? Sorry about that. Of just even going through that process because it's not local. And the crowds are huge. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely an experience, you know, we're all 12 years old, uh, never played in front of much of a crowd except of our parents and, you know, family. So going into a, an experience like that with, with, um, you know, a bunch of guys from Kearney, Nebraska, and we're playing guys from, I mean, we ended up playing Europe. We ended up playing Uganda just in a friendship game. Like those are just such cool memories for me to look back on and just, you know, be, be very appreciative of it. So it was kind of a, it was a real cool thing too, being like in a small community and that commu community just kind of like welcomes you, you know, when we came back, everyone was so excited. And, you know, as a 12 year old, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, Matt, yeah. of course you, you played locally in some of the um, select baseball. What was some of the biggest things that you felt that, that, that taught you to help you when you got to high school and stuff like that? Uh, one really big lesson that I learned, I was playing uh, for, it's called Taggy Rutherford. I don't know if it's still a team, um, but they were like, they were up there with pace setters and frozen ropes. Um, I think it's Omaha Tigers now. Yeah. Um, and it, this was my first year on the team. I was just leaving uh, the Omaha Hawks. I was playing a year up. So I actually got to play Jared when he was on that team. Who won? Me. They <laughs> whooped you guys. Yeah. Yeah. You pitch or no? I think, I think yeah. oh. I didn't I really say. pitch until my senior year of high school. Um, but anyway, so back to Taggy. Um, you know, I was I was pretty good on this Omaha Hawks team, and I was like, okay, I need to go play um, at a higher competition level, major. You know, if that actually means anything, I don't, I don't <laughs> it know. It does. It does. I mean, you know, the more want is something that you can't give. If right. you have the more want to play at a higher and harder level, I mean, that speaks for itself. Right. So anyway, I went from being, you know, one of the best players on the team to I went to Taggy and there was some really good, you know, talent on that team. And I simply wasn't that good, you know, compared to these kids. And that was a really hard pill for me to swallow. And, you know, I went to my dad. I was you know, breaking down. I was like, I just want to quit. I want to go back and play for the Hawks again, you know, and it, had he let me do that, you know, what would that have taught me in the long run? You know, anytime something gets hard, um, you know, you're just going to quit. No. So we ended up signing me up for uh, some lessons. I went and hit in this, 
his name's Ron. Uh, he was about 75 years old, didn't see very well, but he had this hidden cage in his basement. And I went there every day before practice or games, and I would take about 100 swings. Now, and this is with your team or by yourself? No, this is by myself. I would have my brother drive me there because I wasn't kids. old enough to, to drive yet. And he would feed the machine. And Ron would, he had a picture of Barry Bonds on the wall, just like this. And he's like, all right, I just want you to look like that in your stance. I was like, you want me to look like Barry Bonds? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you and everyone else, you know? Yeah. Um, but I ended up, you know, getting a lot better. And I started hitting, you know, in the middle of the order by the end of the season. And I was a catcher at that time. I actually ended up having to play left field. You know, I had never played outfield before, but I had to change my position if I wanted to get on the field. So um, that was a really good, you know, lesson for me to learn at a young age. And it kind of taught me how to deal with some adversity. And, you know, I ended up using that that same lesson quite a few times, and I'm still going to have to use it in the future. Man, that that story just grabs you. And when you said knowing that you had to change positions – Going through that process as a young kid, was it someone that helped you go through that? Was it a dad? Was it a coach that kind of helped you understand if you want to play, you can't just do what you want to do. You got to do what the team needs. Yeah. I mean, so one of the um, coach's kids was a catcher and he was, he was a better catcher than me playing, you know, I'm not going to beat around the bush there. And they ended up putting me in left field for a game and, you know, I made a couple errors, you know, I was like 12, but, um, my dad's like, dude, they're giving you an opportunity. Like they're going to give you another one. You're going to have to do good. So I was like, all right, how do I play better left field? Uh, we ended up after work every day, my dad would go out in the backyard and he would literally throw pop flies to me as high as he could. And I would work on my, you know, routes and catching the ball with two hands. Um, not sure if they teach that let's, anymore. Let's but, say that again. Two hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I ended up learning how to play it a little bit better. Um, and I think that the coach really appreciated that. And he rewarded me with some playing time. You know, it's not, you don't just get playing time. You have to earn it. Yeah. And I, I think just every kid pitchers that differently and they see it differently, whether it's from the coach, from parents, um, because not all parents can have been through that struggle before on, on a team, or they do see their kid, like you said, where you're the top kid, obviously coming out of Carney, you know, everybody plays and I don't mean it in a bad way, but you need everybody in that small town to want to play. So you can have a team. Was there any adversity that you remember earlier going on that you might've had to uh, make some adjustments to get, get back on the field? Yeah. So I would say my my sophomore year, basically our entire infield was going to play college college baseball somewhere, and I was put on on varsity on our Legion team because um, at the time we didn't have high school baseball. I never got to experience high school baseball, um, but at that time the infield was full. I moved to the outfield and I've never looked back. I never never moved back in the infield. I just ran with it and then loved it out there. A lot less pressure. <laughs> I was like, oh, I could get used to this, you know. So that, uh, that was something that kind of shaped my path, I'd say. And, you know, I, if, if maybe shortstop was open, who knows, maybe I would have stuck it out in the infield, but I, I liked the outfield a lot and just ran with it. Well, and I, I like that you brought up no high school baseball, because there's a lot of things in Kearney that everybody takes for granted here in Omaha or in the bigger cities, Lincoln and all that. 
Um, not only did you not have high school baseball, but we, I mean, we talked to coach day on, on a previous episode, just talking about Carney losing its college baseball team. How does your parents and how does that community feel about that? Because it's, to me, it would be like, just like when Rosenblatt was taken away. Like I felt like a piece of me was gone and I'm like, ah, is my love for college baseball going to be the same? What was that like in Kearney? Because that didn't happen not too long ago. No, no, it happened when I was in high school. I'm really good friends with um, Damon Day, uh, family friends with him. So I've known him for a long time. And, you know, it, it hurt, especially, you know, when, when that whole thing was going going down. I know I had a couple of teammates that were playing at UNK um, that I played with in high school. And, you know, as a community, it, was, it didn't really make sense to everyone. Um, there was a lot of frustration in the town. And, you know, I, I still wish that, there was, there was baseball being played in the spring at Memorial stadium. So um, yeah, it, it hurts as a, you know, a community because a lot of people went out all the time and supported, you know, UNK athletics. So, and you know, Damon day is such a good, good guy. Um, you know, I, I feel for him and he's obviously made some, some changes and I'm, I'm happy for him and his family. So. Yeah. They're going to enjoy him over at, uh, at Scott Catholic. Now, Matt, I'm going to bring it back to you. You went to Creighton, and mm-hmm. what some people might understand, some people don't. The kids that are there have to be—they have to pay to get in, or they have to have a scholarship to get in. So you're playing with kids that want to be there, compared to some that are forced to be there. And some are. Don't get me wrong. Some parents force you to be there. Was there any situations that you felt where you could tell the difference between the kids that were there because parents forced them to be there on your team or the ones that wanted to be a part of Creighton Prep Baseball? That's a good question. Um, I could definitely tell in my classes, you know, there were some kids that just definitely didn't want to be at prep. It just wasn't for them. Um, As far as baseball goes, I I feel like most of the kids genuinely wanted to be there. I, I, now I know there was a couple that maybe wanted to transfer because they had some grade school buddies at a different school and whatnot, but they did a really good job of bringing us together and we made friends really quick. So I think they kind of left that thought in, in the past. All right, Jared, we'll ask you if there was a sport in high school that you could have played over baseball and not, not because you loved it more. What would that sport be and what would the position be? Oh, I don't know. So I quit. I quit football after a couple injuries. Um, I enjoyed football. I think if I would have played maybe as a wide receiver and not a not a fullback linebacker, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Um, but I would I would probably say football. I was I was decent at basketball, but uh, couldn't really shoot very well and didn't didn't play defense like I should have. So um, I'd have to say football. You talked about injury. And that's a that's a great question because kids do stop playing those extra sports because it that injury could take them out of the sport that they love. What was that like going through? What kind of injuries did you go through? So my freshman year of football, I sprained had a high ankle sprain was out for eight or nine weeks, I believe. And then my sophomore year, I dove for a pylon, same ankle and actually broke it, broke a non weight bearing bone in it. And at that time, I was like, I, you know, I love football's football's fun, but I really love baseball and I'd like to play fall baseball my junior year. And so at that point, I, I talked it over with my family and, you know, they were they were cool with me doing that and, you know, getting away from football, hanging it up. Uh, 
So I think it, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you, you want to play multiple sports, see what you like, but maybe if you're better at one and you really enjoy it at some point, you kind of got to run with it. That's a tough decision in Carney too. I mean, there's, there's just a little bit more pressure when you're in a smaller town, like, Hey, you're one of our best athletes. We need you on this football team. Like, you know, did you have any of that pressure to like keep playing for the community or, or did that decision go? Okay. Yeah. No, you, you hit it. Uh, you hit about perfect right there. There were some tough conversations I've had to have with, you know, the, the football staff, uh, coaching staff, and there was just a lot of pressure I felt from, you know, cause I grew up playing all these sports with all of my friends and those friends don't really change in Carney. You're not switching schools, whatever, <laughs> you know, so you're, you've been riding with these guys for a long time. And then, you know, you, you finally go, well, I've, I've had enough. I'd like to focus on baseball. And they're all like, what, what do you mean? So there's definitely pressure. I think, you know, you don't want to let, you, you never want to let people down, but I think at the end of the day, sometimes you got to, you know, make a decision that might be in your best interest. Well, and, and and who helped you go through that process of that decision? Who was the one that kind of said, all right, if you want to make it to the next level on baseball, this is, this is probably what you're going to have to do. Or was that a self decision? Yeah. So I would say that my, my father has had a huge influence in kind of my decision-making throughout my entire baseball career. And, you know, we, we talked it over and he, he was like, I, I think, you know, if you're serious about baseball, I'm, I don't want you to, you know, bang yourself up in the, every fall and have a chance for injury. And it was, it was gave me an opportunity to kind of play fall baseball and keep training. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, we, we decided it was a great, great move. So Matt, do you remember that decision of when you went and said, this is, this is where I'm going to go all out and, and who, who you walked through that decision with? Um, well, my parents helped me a lot with that, but it was right after the, um my sophomore year of football season um i was you know pretty undersized and i was like dude if i want if i want to make the baseball team here i'm gonna have to really get into shape so after that i just kind of had to put my head down and start you know getting after a little bit my uh my older brother went through Creighton prep as well and he had uh, a back injury his his junior year um and then he came back his senior year. He got cut from the baseball team. So, you know, growing up, he was always, I thought, you know, more athletic than me. And I thought, you know, if I don't get this together, I'm literally going to get cut. <laughs> so it's uh it's a tough decision. So when you, when you think of going through this decision and you're trying to find help, how is that road to finding extra workouts, extra stuff? Because I think sometimes people think, oh, okay, you just go right after school, but there's stuff's, in the morning that you do sometimes there's stuff after the first practice that you do. What was that like going through that process when you finally decided to make that trigger? You know, um, that's a good question too. Uh, I had the JCC growing up. So, um, I would go right after school. I would go lift, um, for a while. I didn't have a real good plan when I first started, but it's okay. You know, you just got to start. Um, that's the main thing. So, the start that stops most people yeah yeah exactly. yeah because it gets hard it get it gets mentally hard yep. and and i think i think unless you've been in it i like i'm not one of those those guys that every time i talk to someone i go oh i know what you're talking about man because mm -hmm. like there's no one that knows that mental decision to make to go i want to be at this level and i'm not even close right and you know 
looking back on it now, you know, kind of where me and Jared are at, it's like I couldn't have seen that. You know, I was just trying to make JV the next year, <laughs> you know. So basically, I just, you know, I started going to the gym and I uh, signed up for as many classes as, as I could over at the strike zone. Um, that's where I grew up going. Um, I don't know how much better I really got from it, but the point was is that I was trying to do something to make myself better. You know? Dedication. Yeah. That's the number one word that you get out of that. Brian, you see athletes come in and out all the time. You're not there to tell them, oh, come, keep coming. What does it take to be athletes like these two that continue to have the want to go and, and you're seeing it in your facility? Yeah, I mean, it's a different mindset. Um, you know, I, I see Matt like at our facility all the time and it's, you know, more than anything, like besides being an athlete or, you know, a competitor, like he's a learner, right? Like he's going in every day trying to learn something new and improve and, and create like, a better baseball player through that. So, I mean, starting a new program this year and, you know, I mean, the first day on your program, how many hours at the facility were you there? Oh boy. I mean, <laughs> I was there. I think I was there from nine to six, went home, got some dinner. And then I was there from seven 30 to one in the morning. So that that's the difference between like a, an ordinary person and someone that plays at his level. Right. I mean, yeah. like, you know, Matt wasn't the best player. Like, I mean, he said it. And like a lot of people, like we think like, oh man, like, you know, we start comparing ourselves to like the best players at certain age groups. And, like, you know, he self-admittedly, like he was not a good baseball player at points in his life. Oh. And, you know, when he probably told his, his dad, like, Hey, I want to be major league baseball player. Like dad had to be thinking in the back of his head. like, oh man, like, does he know where he's at? But like, you know, like also like dad's like, okay, like, well, if you want to do it, like, the conversations, you know, the tidbits that he is like, dad's always like, you got to work harder. You got to do this. Like, this is the path to do it, you know? And so I, I think, you know, having a mindset like that and like having someone in your corner that like doesn't laugh at your goals, but tries to to raise your goals. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And, and help you realize what it's going to take to get there. Jared, what do you remember when you made that first switch? What was some of the first uh, training that you did extra beyond the high school and beyond the Legion ball? Yeah. So kind of like you said, like you, you need somebody that's in your corner where you have these huge goals and that that person doesn't laugh at you. But that person, you know, he says, all right, well, it's going to take a lot of work and, and you know, you're going to you're going to be grinding day in and day out and every day. And so for me, that was my father. Um, you know, I told him that he actually went out and became like a certified hitting coach, um, which was absolutely huge for me. Um, so he's kind of always been my hitting guy to go to, but it, it, the way I would say is like, okay, you're going to be around guys that are going to put in the work at practice, right? Like everyone's going to be at practice. Everyone's going to be, be working there. It's, it's the work you do that's outside of that. So it was a lot of hitting, um, a lot of hitting on, on my own, you know, after practice, just working on drills, certain stuff like that. And then also getting in the weight room as much as possible at, at one point in high school is probably, I wouldn't suggest this for anyone, but I was lifting like six days a week. You know, I take Sundays off and I was just grinding. Cause I knew if I get, if I got stronger, I, I, I could become a better player. So to me, that was maybe a little bit extreme. Um, could have done some more mobility maybe, but uh, <laughs> it worked out all right. <laughs> probably right. Like, you know, but, but here's the thing, like, 
you don't consider it sacrificing, but I always like to, to, to make sure that it's well clear. What's something that you felt you sacrificed and you missed in high school that, that obviously you can't go back, but you know that you want to help someone else know that, uh, it's okay to make sure you still attend that event or you still do that. Give up that little time so you don't miss out on the moment. Yeah. So, I mean, you're still going to be in high school and, you know, high school is a, a really cool time. You, you learn a lot. You're going to spend a lot of time with your buddies, but at the same time, you know, what, what do you want to do in the future? So what's going to, you know, what's going to, what's going to change your life? What's going to get you that scholarship or that life that, you, that you want to live. And, and for me, you know, I, there was times where I didn't hang out with, with friends um, maybe cause I wanted to work out and they want to do something else. Or, you know, I tried to find that balance in it. I, I think in high school, I may have overdone it where there was times where I, you know, I'd be like, no, I want to go work out and do this. And that was just kind of my mindset, you know, in high school. And so I'd say maybe I sacrificed some time with, with friends. You know, I always, you always got to, with my family, it was always, uh, you know, you got to spend time with them, but, and then you also got to look at like, who, who are you hanging out with? Cause you get, you get rolling with the wrong crowd and you know, the, the peer pressure is going to, going to get to you. So you got to surround yourself with, you know, really, really quality people and maybe people that have the the same desire and goals that you have. Well, and I'm glad that you brought up the crowd, Matt. What do you what do you remember about the crowd that you try to hang around with and and how were you able to filter? But also maybe you might have also didn't filter somewhere. You you didn't want to give up that friendship knowing it still might have held you just a little bit. Right. Um <clears throat> I had, you know one or two really good friends in high school and you know we never went out never partied uh, literally i would go um you know friday nights i would i would get home i would drive over to my friend's house i would pick him up we would go to sonic on 144th and and um in maple two, and maybe. we'd get two large ice waters and then we drove out to a, a historical landmark um out in valley Okay. And we would, there's a, a sign there. We would take a piss right next to the sign. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would drive back home. I'd you notice he's not helping him with no, any it, baseball. I mean, with No, no. I mean, but that hopefully was it cleared your mind yeah, along with your bladder, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, we would go fishing. Um, and then I'd take him home. That was my, my Friday night. And to this date, my parents still don't believe that that's what we would do. And <laughs> I keep telling them. That might be one of the most interesting stories we've had on Wired Access. I, I would have to <laughs> say so, where, you know, you're thinking he's going out. They got a case of beer that his buddy brought in yeah. the back of the truck. No, nah, they just got two ice waters. They didn't even want to pay for any. Yeah. I mean, Sonic's got so many drinks and so oh, many no, you options. You got to pay for the water. Yeah. Their water is <laughs> eighty-nine cents. I think is it's, what it is. It's unbelievable. Got inflation. It's all about the ice. I get yeah. it. I get it. It's good ice. All right. So, you know, let's start out with you, Jared. When you left Carney High School, was there anything that you felt you left at that school and and you helped lead them to a better future? Yeah, I would say some of the people, some of the younger guys that I got a chance. Um, to be around in the in the baseball world, um, you know, I left I left the imprint of you know you can you can achieve what you want, and you know at the end of the day you're going to put in all this work, and there's no you know there's no X and Y of if I put in this amount of work, this is what's going to happen, you know. And for me, you know, I I just would say that the the people around me, the younger guys, they looked up to me, and 
knew that if they put in work at some point in life, it's, it's going to pay off, you know, whether that's you going to the college to get a degree, because not everyone's going to go play college baseball. But at the same time, you baseball teaches you so many lessons, such as like discipline, hard work, um, you know, dealing with failure and stuff like that. And I feel like I, I helped a lot of people kind of, kind of work through that and, you know, made them a better person at the end of the day. That's kind of something that's important to me. Well, what I like is, is, it's sometimes when you are the older or the upper classmen, as they call it at school, um, you never accept that what you do to the young underclassmen could change the trajectory of those kids, but also just the school in general. Um, and, and Matt, is there anything, obviously you've already told us that a few times you felt like you weren't the guy, mm-hmm. but when you left Creighton baseball and you left that co- that high school, what was the thing that you felt you were able to leave a mark on? Um, well, I, I, I played my freshman year. I played freshman baseball, sophomore year. I was on JV two junior year. I was on JV one. So I didn't make varsity until the senior, like the summer going into my senior year. And I was a bullpen catcher. Um, and then the next year, you know, I, I worked really hard in the off season and ended up playing pretty good the next year. And I think that left kids with, a optimism that, you know, no matter where I'm at right now, you know, there's still time that I can, you know, make this change and I can can be one of the better players on the team. Well, and I like that you said that because everybody feels like if I'm a freshman and I'm not ready for varsity, I, I probably shouldn't even go. I probably shouldn't even do it. I know I'm varsity, but you accepted you, as they say, you grew where you were planted right. on the team. You knew that that was your part. Now, the routes that you guys went to get to the next level, as I like to call it, college is different. You were at Creighton High School. This guy comes over to Creighton University from Kearney. You go the JUCO route. Now, what I really like about the JUCO route is this is a route that's starting to catch a lot of fire Mm -hmm. because it's mentally, I think, putting yourself in reality to go, there's more steps. There's more things that I have to do. Not saying you couldn't have accepted a D2 or an AIA or anything like that. You went the JUCO route. What was that process like? And what was even the recruiting like in your in your senior year that you remember? Because some people think that it's all these bells and whistles and all these people will come talking. But if you didn't do if you weren't where they wanted you, you had to do extra work to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was enrolled at the University of Nebraska in June 30th, going into my freshman year of college. I was I didn't have any offers. Um, so I was literally going to go be a business student and try and play club baseball at university of Nebraska. And I had a connection with, uh, I had a good connection with my pitching coach at Creighton prep. And he had a connection with Dion parks down at Southeast head coach. Um, and he called him up and he said, you know, this kid isn't ready to hang him up yet. Just give him a chance. And they came and watched the game and they're like, all right. Yeah. I mean, if he wants to come here he can come play. Um, and I talked it over with my parents. I was like, I'm, I'm really not ready to give this up. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to pursue this opportunity and I think it'll be worth it. And I've been so blessed. You know, my parents have supported me through every, every step of the way with baseball and they were, they were accepting of that. Um, and that's how it went for me. Man, Brian, when we talk about, he just said a big statement and obviously you went through it and you're going to have to go through it with your kids. He's, he said the statement of, he didn't want to give it up. 
when did you decide for yourself and how do you look like you're going to be talking with your own kids or how do you feel not saying it's going to happen because things will change because Gunner's still doing his thing, but there's a lot of pressure there. There is. I mean, um, I went to college and I went the junior college route and I was just not mentally tough to, to overcome the, the demand of junior college. I mean, there's no restrictions. I mean, at, at the school I it's went awesome. to, like uh, we were lifting weights from like five to, you know, five 30 to seven every day. Go shower. Then we got team breakfast at eight thirty. Then you got school. You better be out to the field by one thirty. And then we were going till six thirty. And the only reason we were done at six thirty is because we didn't have lights and the cafeteria <laughs> closed at seven, mm-hmm. right? So like you had to, a half hour like to run from practice there. I guarantee if we had lights, we would have gone back after dinner. Did guaranteed. you also go to so, Southeast? <laughs> no, no. I, <laughs> but here's, here's, I went to my it, journey. Uh, that's that's it though, right? And like that's exactly, I mean, it. I, you know, I loved the game of baseball. Um, I guess I did not enjoy being a baseball player as much as I love the game of baseball. <laughs> like, you, you know, it was, it was a great game and, you know, I dealt with some injuries. Uh, it had like an arm injury and I'm looking at it as like, okay, I need surgery in my arm. Like, am I like mentally strong enough? And then like watching my team, we had a pretty good team. I'm so far behind these guys and I know I'm not willing to put in the work. So it's like the writing was kind of on the wall for mm. me. Um, so it's tough, it's tough, but you know, I mean, everyone gets to a point where someone tells them they can't play baseball anymore. Um, you know, so that was it. Well, and Jared, you're going from a smaller town, Carney, coming all the way to Omaha. What was your process through the, um, through your, your recruiting or was there a process to it? Yeah. So kind of part of my journey, you know, not having high school baseball, I actually, I got an opportunity through a, through a friend to go play actually for a team in St. Louis, my junior, junior, junior summer um, in high school. And that's actually where Creighton saw me. They hadn't, I don't think they had seen me before just happened um, to see me in a tournament in Indianapolis. So I actually lived there for a summer, kind of sacrificed a summer of high school. And, you know, they, they were interested after that. And, you know, I, they, they gave me an offer that I, you know, I couldn't resist. And then also having family close, um, you know, going to in Omaha. So it just made sense. And at the time I, you know, I went for it. So, well, and you, you brought up a good thing, uh, uh, talking about a showcase, Matt, did you have any showcases that you knew of coming up and, and <laughs> now you see it going on after the years that you guys have graduated, what do you think about all the showcases and the promotion for these young athletes? I never did any showcases. My dad was always telling me, you know, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. Um, now being the case that I didn't have an offer until three weeks before I stepped foot on campus, I probably should have maybe. Um, and I think it's a, a bigger deal now than it was maybe when me and him were in high school, just because there's so much travel ball. Um, it's probably good to go get exposed to some of the you know, teams that come out for that. Well, and what he brought up fall ball earlier, I, you know, we've talked a little bit about fall ball. What's your thoughts on it? Um, is it more for those kids that need that extra rep and go there to get those reps? Or is it for parents that aren't having the luck during spring to get that same baseball? It could be. It could be um, <clears throat> a little bit of both. I'm I'm a big fan of, you know, most high school kids, I would say, um, not to generalize, but are a little underdeveloped. And I think that the best place for them to be during the fall is in the weight room. Um, I think that's probably going to benefit them more than, you know, pitching an extra 12 innings or getting an extra 100 at-bats, whatever. Um, 
you know, really putting on size. That's the number one thing that teams are going to notice is, you know, this this kid looks like he's ready to play college baseball. And if you're not, then they're not going to be talking to you. Well, and Jared, of course, being in Carney baseball, you're just trying to get the game going because you don't get to play as much as other high schools. What did fall ball do for you? And what do you what do you kind of recommend now that it is kind of more of the limelight? Yeah. Yeah. So fall fall baseball is kind of an interesting thing, especially for high schoolers. I think, you know, as a parent, you got to look and say, what where is my son at? And if I go to a showcase, what am I showcase? Like what's what's he showing? Because you can send him to a showcase, but he's not showing anything. Mm-hmm. Or you can pay, you know, instead of paying for that, you can pay for lessons or a trainer and you can you can take him to a showcase next year where, you know, somebody at the showcase is going to be like, wow, who is that? It's absolutely you know? incredible how much people will spend to go play in a tournament in Florida, right? But not be willing to pay for those other things he mentioned, right? Like a trainer, a coach um it's so backwards sometimes i mean you can play a part in the fall ball like you know but i mean it's got to be a a part of the the big picture you know what else are we trying to accomplish here yeah and and of course for for what you do i mean you've experienced you dabbled a little bit in that fall ball did you see a benefit you know or do you feel like sometimes like he said they got to either be in the gym or play a different sport just to get your mechanics get your body under you i mean from the age of 12 to the age 18 you're doing the most growth where if you don't keep them feet up under you and understand how to use them you're gonna lose them like no matter how quick you can be if you can't turn those hips just right what do you what do you feel i think jared hit on the head like i mean you everyone is in a, a unique position like everyone's different right like can fall ball benefit some people absolutely you know um like jared his junior year like from Kearney, Nebraska, you know, like not coming in, like going to play like travel baseball, either summer or fall, like that got him exposed. Like he was the exact type of situation, a kid that probably should go play fall ball. Now the kid that's undersized, um, you know, like he's way behind his peers, you know, going to play more baseball might not be the answer for him. You know, maybe he should spend, like Matt said, like more time in the gym, you know, or figuring out like, okay, I'm here. I want to get here. How am I going to do that? And does fall baseball help or hinder that, that path to get there? Um, And I think everyone has that, that has to have that discussion and figure out what's best for them. And I think, you know, I should mention, I think me and Jared, Jared was, he was much better looking than me. (laughs) uh, You know, I was 140 pounds, my senior, like going into my senior year. So in my case, I needed to be in the weight room. Now, Jared, smaller town, a lot of talent, you know, division one teams are already looking at him. I think that's good. You know, he's projectable already. So get exposed when you're ready to be exposed. If that and, makes sense. And, and, and I think it's so easy to feel like you are ready. Don't be afraid to reach out to some of those. That's why I love episodes like this, where you're just, you're telling the truth of it's okay to not be ready. It's okay to not have to go D one right away, but you got the opportunity at South Southeast and then you go to USC. Talk about that process from JUCO to get to that D1. And like you said before, you were almost on Nebraska's campus, but not even for baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I hate to tell anybody, but Nebraska and club and um, and their intramurals, 
they don't play. They take that stuff very seriously <laughs> out there. I mean, they got stuff hanging up everywhere. I, I remember when I went on the tour for my daughter who just graduated from Lincoln, like they take that stuff serious. What brought USC and, and how did that connection happen? Yeah. So uh, my freshman year was COVID, the COVID year. We all got sent home, um, but we fortunately got 19 games in. So I got a taste of it. Um, I wasn't starting. I was I was behind one of our um, third basemen. And truly, he was better than me at the time, you know, um, great hitter, great fielder. Uh, but they let me pitch a little bit. And the day before we got sent home, I had my first ever college start. I was starting at that point. <laughs> I I'm normally come out of the bullpen. Um, so I was, you know, shaking in my boots. I gave up a grand slam, another home run, went terrible. <laughs> and, you know, my coach pulled me aside after and he ripped me. I mean, he bad. He basically <laughs> told me, dude, if, if you're too scared to pitch, just don't, you know. And then we got sent home for COVID the next day, and I was like, that's, that's, that's a last no, thing. No. Yeah. no, no, no. But here's the thing, though. It's like at that time, uh, I mean, it hadn't even happened yet, but I was like, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And that literally gave me eight months to get as good as I can. I used – as much of that time to get better as I could. And I feel like I came back, you know, a completely different player. So we, we talked about the COVID thing before. I mean, yes. like, you know, that was such a unique opportunity given to these players, like especially college players who, you know, the, I think the college game, they suffer because they're playing all the time. You're playing spring ball, summer ball, then you get like two weeks off and then we're going to go play fall ball. Right. And then, so hey, we'll shut down over Christmas break, but then we're going to ramp up. So there's, not always a ton of time to really focus on yourself. Like, what do I need to do to get better? And in that COVID year, I mean, you just see some people that really thrived there in that, right? I mean, there's not a ton of people allowed in there. It's the people who just can go in there on their own and get the work done that really came out on the positive side. Yeah. And then, you know, coming back uh, the next year, I hadn't talked to any teams, you know, any Division One schools. And in my head, I was like, you know, I'd love to go Power 5, right? but I haven't even heard from a division two school yet. A um, couple weeks in, we got through our first scrimmage. My coach took some video of me and sent it out. First phone call I got was from Mississippi state. And that was coming. Uh, I think they won the college world series that year. So in my head, I was like, you know, this is crazy. Surreal. Anything's Surreal. possible now. Yeah. And that kind of helped me realize it's like, okay, I can actually play at that level. You know, this is the sort of expectation I should have for myself. I'm not a Division II baseball player. You know, I can play at that level. What do you feel the hardest thing during COVID was to keep yourself focused on your goal? Honestly, uh, after that conversation I had with my coach, I didn't need any any extra help with that. I was really upset, and I just wanted to prove him wrong. First day I stepped back on campus, I was like, uh, he's going to be sorry he said that. Jared. I love him now, but <laughs> Jared, do you remember much about your COVID year and, and what development you might've went through during that process? Yeah. So interesting enough, I had, we were down in California, right? I think it was a week before or two weeks before the season shut down, um, swung through a fastball, broke my hamate bone. And so I had surgery on it. And then I think it was four days after surgery, you know, everything shut down. So for me, it was about, you know, rehabbing, getting healthy again and um, didn't happen. Actually, I have I've had two surgeries on my hamate bone, um, which is 
doesn't really happen for anyone. So as I was uh, during COVID, just rehabbing, um, you know, doing the best I could. And it, it, the, there was still a piece of the bone in there that was right along the nerve, which just out of my control and very frustrated for me, COVID was not, you know, mentally a good time for me. Um, I took it out in, in the weight room. You know, I was, I was frustrated. I, can tell. I didn't know why my hand was hurting. So, well, uh, and that's good that you're not afraid to say like, because like Brian said, there's a lot of people that had growth, but you had redemption that you constantly had to go back and find a way to to not have that happen again. What was the what did you feel the biggest struggle is? Because I think some people don't realize sometimes when you're able and capable and then you go to I'm limited and I yeah. can only do so much. Yeah, I think, you know, mentally it's like. Well, is, is it. And for me in this injury, you know, it's supposed to be four weeks. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, three months and it's still bugging me a little bit. I'm like, am I ever going to get healthy? You know, I can't really go to a doctor right now because <laughs> we're in the middle of COVID. So it's such a such a unique, you know, experience for me. And I'm like, well, you know, I, at least I have a lot of time to rehab this. And I, <laughs> I'd say just mentally it was like, well, you know, my hand's bugging. But at, at the same time, you know, my legs work and. I, I can put a barbell on my back and I can still get after I can run, do all that stuff. So, you know, for me, it was like control what you can control. And that was, that was outside of my, you know, I, I had no control over, you know, a, a person missing that bone or, you know, the complications of the first surgery. So it goes back to that. It's still frustrating. Um, I had way too much time during COVID to think about it. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you hit it right there the thinking like people don't understand like you're just you could just be sitting there just watching the tv and all of a sudden you feel just a little bit of tingle and that and that and that and you start thinking about it again you're like god man i'm tired of this what was the biggest thing and who helped you overcome that yeah so i actually went into my junior year after covid um had three or four cortisone shots in it um, tried to play through it and uh, ended up sliding to a bag, hurt it worse. And at the time, obviously, I didn't know what was going on. I knew that, like, I mean, if I did this with my wrist, it would hurt. So you can imagine a full swing. And so I figured, you know, something, something's going on. Ended up going to a different doctor. Um, he's like, dude, you got, you got a bone that's just been sitting there for a year in your hand. So pretty much playing with a broken handmate. And, you know, for me, it was the same going back to my dad, like talking to him about it. He's like, hey, like, and I, I at that moment when I heard that, like, I was very frustrated. I went home. This is the bone you were supposed to have removed the first time, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Bone I was supposed to have removed. Just a part of it was along the nerve. So, I mean, that th like injuries happen, but stuff like that is completely out of your control. You have you have no opportunity. You know, you can't do the surgery yourself. So. Um, you know, I went home, I threw some things when I found out. And then uh, once once I got done with that, I, you know, I said, well, what what can I do now? So, you know, I ended up getting the surgery and I wasn't having a good year. And I was like, all right, my senior year is going to be my year. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when I shifted that energy to, OK, what can I control? Well, I can control how I'm going to do my senior year. You know, how am I going to go out there and attack every workout every day? So that's kind of how I shifted my perspective, you know, from frustration to, okay, I, there's nothing I can do. What, what can I do now? Nice. And, and uh, Matt, we'll go back to you. You went to USC um, playing all the way out in sunny California. Mm -hmm. That's gotta be rough, <laughs> but 
you're also progressing. What do you think is the biggest thing that USC got you to the next level? And what do you think is, is something that you still had to find within yourself that they didn't give you? You know, uh, so I had an opportunity with the St. Louis Cardinals out of junior college. And, um, you know, I, that was a really hard decision to make. Um, but I didn't feel like I was ready mentally yet. You know, I'm, I've been playing against Region 9 baseball players, you know, Juco guys. I was like, I got to go play against the best of the best now. And you tell I, me like, money didn't just right away sway you to say yes? No, no, no. Um, you know, that kind of money, you got to make a lot of money for it to be any sort of life-changing money anyway. Um, I didn't feel like I was ready because I didn't believe that I was good enough to play at that level yet. So I wanted to go out play against some Pac-12, you know, there's some really good players on the Pac-12. Um, get a few of them out, and then, you know, it started to build my confidence a little bit. It's like, all right, stuff plays at this level. I'm I'm ready for the next next chapter, you know. So really, in my head, I didn't really change anything physically, but it was a, a mental change. It's like you got to believe that you're good enough to be there. Well, and, and, and I only asked – you obviously go all the way to California. Was there any love from your own state? Was there any, and, and what's, and, and it's okay because <laughs> none of them own anything on me, but what, what's that feeling? The only reason I asked is because I had a few basketball females that went out and I let them just tell what they felt about here. And I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just letting the perception be real mm -hmm. instead of someone go, well, I think that Omaha doesn't recruit good here, or I don't think, like, was there any shot that you felt you could come back in state and do what you wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, when I was looking for schools out of junior college, my dream school was Nebraska, Lincoln. Um, didn't hear from them, didn't get an email, phone call, text, nothing. Um, which, I mean, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder after that. But after I was at USC, I hit, hit the transfer portal again. You know, they went through some coaching changes and – Nebraska reached out and, you know, they had me on campus and, you know, we squashed all the, all the beef <laughs> there. So, um, but like I talked to UNO and Creighton a little bit, um, you know, I have a lot of respect for both of those coaching staffs and um, I just felt like at that time it wasn't, you know, the best fit for me, um, but I'm sure it would have, you know, been a really good experience yeah it's I tough i mean a lot of people like feel like they don't get the love but you know sometimes you have to look at a roster it's like okay hey yeah you're like pit, you're like he's a back-end yes. guy like what do we have currently does he fit in that mix and you know i mean i i can't remember what they had but it might have been a disservice for him to go there you know he's not going to get the innings he's a new guy like you have to compete so you know it's tough i mean it's really tough when you don't get the love from your home state but you know, I think too many people take that personal. And but see, you could also have the conversation, though, with them. Just letting them know, hey, I'm interested in you, but have you looked at our roster? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. at least let him know that he's that he's got the want. Yeah. You yeah. know, but I do understand because he's just one pitcher in the portal with the rest of the pitchers. Doesn't mean that he sticks out on top of their list because you don't know where they're getting their numbers from or where they're getting their, their results from. Right. Did you feel like when you went from the USC, like, did you feel like you had to put yourself out there? Did you feel like there was enough tape online for you to be seen? Uh, when I was transferring from USC? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think pretty much every school nowadays has access to TrackMan reports and stuff like that. So I didn't have to get any videos sent out. Um, that was kind of a crazy process. Um, it was definitely, it felt good, you yeah. know, it 
as a as a kid i felt like i was you know behind you know my whole life pretty much it was like i was playing catch up and now first time i hit the portal now it's like these are that these was, are the schools that these was fast the, yeah <laughs> yeah i mean this is you know what every kid's dreaming of i just did it three years later you know hey but you stuck to a process that's hard and you hopefully have set your word so someone else can see the journey can be can be had if you do the dedication right. if you get involved if you stay dedicated to yourself Jared, your your process was obviously just bam, bam, bam. What was it like when uh, you you finished your senior year? What what did you feel like you left at Creighton, and then then what was your MLB experience uh, that you're going through now? Well, you might want to he so you got to walk through a little bit because he he had one stop between oh, Arkansas between that right. See, so, I like that. That's yeah. why Brian's here. Keep us on track. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I had I played my four years at. At Creighton, enjoyed enjoyed it a lot. Um, have a lot of great teammates and countless memories there. I I had a really really good season. My senior year, thought there was probably a pretty good chance of me getting drafted. Ended up not happening. Um, decided, you know, I I wanted to move away from Nebraska. I wanted to see, you know, where I could play, and I knew I had a good year, so I entered entered the transfer portal. Um, like like Keating said, you know, it was. You're kind of we're like wow this is this is crazy because you've never had that experience before where you know teams are reaching out to you they teams that you you know you only dream of playing for and i had you know an opportunity to go go to arkansas and draft didn't work out and i was i'm totally okay with it now it was a dream come true to, to play down at arkansas for for van horn and um yeah, so that was kind of the uh, the process of me me transferring, and then uh, you know I think transferring to Arkansas gave me a really good opportunity to you know get get drafted at kind of as an older guy. Um, you know, it's kind of challenging for the fifth years to uh, to get exposure, and you know there's a lot of good fifth years, but a lot of them you know you have to play really really well, and you know I I proved it at the SEC level, so that was really big for me as a fifth year. Well, and you brought up a, a thing called a, the biggest thing is exposure. Did you guys, and we'll start with you, Jared, did you feel like uh, the coaches or the media for them for Arkansas, did, do they have to kind of promote you a little bit when it comes to trying to get that MLB offer, or is it just all based off of everything you do and only you do the talking? Yeah, so when I went to went to Arkansas, you know, we had, we had nine – don't check me on this, but I think we had nine guys drafted um, this last year. So the scouts, the scouts are going to be around because there's, you know, there's all these guys they can look at. And so, you know, you show up and you're, you're this guy, Oh, you, you know, you played in the big East, whatever. And then, you know, in the fall, you start proving yourself, scouts start following and you start meeting with them. And uh, you know, I think just playing on kind of like that caliber of a team, there's just always going to be eyes on you. And I mean, the coaching staff definitely, definitely helped me out with, you know, a lot of the challenges and stuff like that. So I'd say it was a mixture. And Matt, what about for yourself? What do you feel like uh, you went through when it came to that process? Kind of the same thing. You know, um, like I said, I had, I had the opportunity out of junior college. So, you know, I, I, I was in contact with quite a few teams before I even went out to USC. So they just kind of followed along and then, you know, you do, start performing in the fall you meet with them and you know hope you have a good season and then uh hope for a phone call during the summer 
Well, and, and both of you have been drafted by the Yankees. Congratulations. You've obviously shown that anybody from Nebraska can do anything um, if they put themselves to it. One thing I have to ask, people have asked me, what is the bus life like when it comes to these minor league teams? Because it's it, people think that this journey is, oh, I got drafted. Everything's all – I got everything in the world. Mm-hmm. It's a continuous of the process. What would you say the bus life's like, and uh, how's the process so far? You know, I might let Jared take this one. The bus <laughs> rides are pretty interesting. Oh, well, I'd say, you know, I, you to a sign where you just drank water. So, I mean, your stories could go, but go <laughs> ahead, Jared. <laughs> I would say, you know, we, we traveled pretty well at Arkansas, and, uh, you know, on the bus, it's – it's good to be around your teammates. Uh, I don't know about that long to be around them. You know, <laughs> you're going to be around them 24 seven and then you're stuck on a bus and there's a bunch of guys on the bus. Um, but you know, you, you find things to do and, and you know, it, it does help with team camaraderie, you know, spending time with that, but uh, you definitely want to want to get a pretty comfortable pillow and maybe bring a blanket. So did it prepare you for the minors in that bus schedule? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done some, I've done some pretty, uh, at Creighton, we did some, some 10 hour bus rides. So, um, that, that definitely prepared me for Jared's uh, from for minor league. Yeah, He's been fair. driving his entire life. <laughs> like yeah. the, the Carney people are built differently when it comes to driving. I'll tell you that right now. Hey, I, I got a, uh, I got a 17 hour trip starting tomorrow. So oh, oh, good luck. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the minor league bus trips might be a little more fun. There's less rules. You can kind of, you know, you stop at a gas station. They don't really care what you're buying in there. <laughs> Just be back on, on the bus by the time it leaves. Well, I wasn't going to say sleeper. that. You're the floor sleeper, are you? No, no. no? I, I, don't, I don't like sleeping in buses. I kind of like watching what's going on. You know, when it's dark out, then I start having issues. I'm, you know, which side of the window do you want? Um, but no, I, I think bus floors are just disgusting i so. had a guy in college that bring those inflatable rafts you know <laughs> that you float on the water with this dude would blow it up and just set it right down it would like kind of curl up and you just pass out right in the middle of the floor. like a taco yep then everyone's got to climb over him to use the bathroom yep. and did not care accidentally kick him you yeah. know <laughs> well the best part is you guys have given a lot for any up-and-coming athlete um, obviously the journey is, is just beginning with you guys in, in the MLB, um, in the minors, Jared, what's the biggest thing that you've taken so far from your experience in the minors and what's something that you would, uh, like any, uh, Nebraska prep to know and understand of, uh, the journey that you had to take to get there? Yeah. So, you know, I got an, just a short taste of professional baseball getting drafted in early July. Um, I would say, you know, the big changes, it's kind of, it's, in college, you got coaches that are that are kind of watching you and and making sure you're kind of following that straight line. And in in the minor leagues, you're all on your own, you know. So you kind of have to you have to have that discipline and that self control. Um, nobody's really looking after you, and it's it's at the end of the day, it is about performance and how how you're doing on the field. Um, you know, for somebody you know a Nebraska high school kid, I think you know look at look at Keating, look at me. You know, we we've had such crazy journeys with, you know, like Keating, not, you know, going Juco after he, he enrolled at Nebraska, uh, me not having high school baseball, um, the injuries that I've had, everyone's got, and, and everyone in professional baseball has this, this journey. None, none of them are just a straight path. 
And I think you got to realize that as a high school kid. And then, you know, you got to realize everyone's journey is different and create your own, create your own journey. So Matt, yeah, for, your, for yourself, what, what do you feel? Biggest thing I learned. So, <clears throat> I mean, I was there, this is, this was my first full year of, of baseball. And um, this was, you know, kind of hard for me to, to learn this year was you got to be where your own two feet are. And I know that gets said all the time. And I, I can't put enough emphasis on it. It's like everywhere that I've been, you know, high school, I wasn't on the team I wanted to be on. I didn't want to be in junior college. I wanted to be at a power five. I didn't want to be at the power five. I want to be playing pro ball. I don't want to be in low A. I want to be in high A. You know, it's not about where you're at, right? Like it's, you're never going to be where you want to be, right? Because there's always a step ahead. Yeah. So you got to find a way to take the results out of it and just be like, how can I be the best version of myself right here, right now? And the rest of it's just going to take care of itself, you know? Yeah. And, and That's then, what I had to learn this year. And then for the, for the Nebraska preps, what's something you want to want to make sure they understand and, and know? Get as good as you can right now. And you do that every day. It's going to work out for you. All right. Last one. Jared, who is your number one baseball player growing up that you look up to? And have you had a surreal moment so far being in the majors where you've seen someone that you, you wanted to say hi, but you just couldn't? So growing up, I'd say Mike Trout was one of my, my favorite, just with how, how great he is at the plate. Um, I feel like I try to say that I'm similar to him, but we're, 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 we're kidding ourselves if I'm saying that. But uh, so growing up, it was him. And then a surreal moment, I would say, is in Pro Bowl. So my first simulated scrimmage, so first, you know, first time getting at bats, professional at bats. I was in left field and Aaron judge was in right on a rehab assignment and that and talking to him about his approach, super, super nice guy. Um, just down to earth person talking to him about approach and you know, what, what he's seeing in the box and stuff like that was just a surreal moment. Um, really, really cool moment for me. Matt, how about yourself? That's awesome. I mean, I would have said Aaron judge too, but um, so growing up, Derek Jeter was always my favorite player um and you know he won a lot and aaron boone was also you know on 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 some of those winning teams and uh getting to meet him was really cool first time i met him was actually taking a piss so <laughs> wow. weird yeah i know keaton's got hey, all nice the, walls, the restroom <laughs> stories up in here well guys i appreciate your story brian what do athletes like this do for not only organizations like wired but high school sports locally and athletes that you see all the time i think the biggest thing that these two bring to the state of nebraska is they show that there is a path you know and i, I think that we in nebraska think that like you know if you want to be good at baseball or play baseball at a high level like you got to be from the south right they're getting more opportunities than us but you know these two show that hard work can get you and, and help you like you, there is a path. If you work hard, you can achieve your goals. And and I think that's what these two more than anything bring to the state of Nebraska and, and motivate these younger people. I know like Gunner hangs around him and like talks about <laughs> Matt all the time. And he's like, bothering oh, yeah. me. speaking of Aaron judge, he wants to know if you can get him an Aaron judge autograph. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Quite a well, bit, so. I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm a Braves fan. My son is a Yankees fan. So I appreciate your guys' time. Um, and I appreciate your story. 
Um, once again, this is a Wired Access podcast, part of Herd at Sports Productions. We have two MLB baseball players, both from Nebraska with us. We had Jared Wagner on the on our first Zoom. I appreciate it. It went smooth, I felt. And then we had Matt Keating. They both showed the journey is not the same. And just remember, if you can find one tidbit from these two to help your son or daughter, or if you're an athlete and you find that one little tidbit, don't be afraid to reach out and help someone that might need that same information because it's out there. You're not alone in the situation. You might feel it, but just know others have been through it. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.